Our scripture this morning is from the third chapter of Philippians. So we continue to make our way through the letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 11. Would you please stand for the reading of the scripture? Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And may God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your holy word. And we pray that by the power of your spirit you would come and speak to each of us where we are. That you would search our hearts as only you can. Your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword to the dividing of joints from marrow, of soul from spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so we pray that your powerful word would come into our hearts and discern and search us as only you can and that you would meet each of us where we are and tell us exactly what we need to hear. We pray that we would see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ high and lifted up and that his sheep would hear his voice and hearing his voice would know him and follow him in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Be seated, please. If you think you're good, I'm better. That is a message the Apostle Paul has in this third chapter of Philippians. I have preached this text before, but this is a new sermon. I have lost my notes from the last time I preached it. First time I ever preached this text was 10 or 11 years ago. 
I well remember it was at a Wednesday night prayer meeting. This passage before us is a plain gospel text. It is largely an evangelistic text. And I thought on my way to church that evening, that Wednesday evening, why am I going to preach an evangelistic sermon to the Wednesday night crowd? No visitors come on Wednesday nights. Most church members don't come on Wednesday nights. Only the cream of the crop comes on Wednesday night. They know all this. The basic message of the gospel. Am I going to waste their time? I remember thinking those thoughts on the way to church that Wednesday evening. I have preached many sermons that may well have been a waste of people's time, but that night was not a waste of time. And I'll tell you about it in a little bit. But first, let's get to the passage. First, in this passage, you see the epic failure of religion of the flesh. The epic failure of religion of the flesh. Look at verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and it's safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Paul tells them to be on guard, to look out for certain people. And he refers to these same people in three different ways. First, he calls them dogs. Secondly, he calls them evildoers. Thirdly, he calls them those who mutilate the flesh. He is talking about a group called the Judaizers. In short, they taught that one had to be circumcised to be saved. That's what Paul is alluding to when he says they mutilate the flesh. Of course, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew males were to be circumcised. If a Gentile converted back then, he was to be circumcised. But once Jesus came, that ceased to be a sign of the people of God. You can read about it in Acts 15. Gentiles were coming to Jesus. The church then was a mixture of Jew and Gentile and the first church council concluded that circumcision should not be imposed on Gentile converts. But there was a sect that continued to teach and preach circumcision. Paul in verse 2 says these people are dogs and evildoers. Now dog had different connotations back then. Today we call someone a dog, that's just fighting words, pure insult. But in the first century Jewish world, dog meant unclean. 
See, the Jews considered Gentiles unclean. They were dogs. But Paul here says it is actually these Judaizers who are unclean outside the true people of God. And then look at the other side of it in verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Even in Old Testament, circumcision was required, but it was not what saved a person. One was not to trust in his circumcision, in his own flesh. So Paul says the true circumcision is the people who put no confidence in the flesh. There's a lot more in there, especially the a bit in verse 2 about worshiping God by the Spirit. We can't get to everything in the passage today. But for now, you see the epic failure of religion of the flesh. Anything that would put any confidence in your flesh to get you to God will in reality only pull you away from God. The epic failure of religion of the flesh. Secondly in this passage, you see the religion of dung. I said dung. The religion of dung. Look at verse 4. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. This is where Paul says, if you think you're good, I'm better. If you think you have something to be proud of, I have more to be proud of. If anyone thinks he has a reason to be confident in his own flesh, I have more than he has. Paul says he is better in basically two ways. His background and his works. First, his background, his superior background and breeding. Look at verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul was circumcised on the eighth day according to the law of Moses. He came from a faithful religious family. He was of the people of Israel. But not just any garden variety Jew. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. You remember Benjamin was the baby in Jacob's family. The only one of the brothers not involved in the conspiracy to get rid of Joseph. And then later, Saul was not a good king, but nevertheless the first king of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin. Then later when the kingdom split, Benjamin stayed with Judah when the majority of tribes broke off and started another kingdom founded on idolatry. Benjamin was one of the last holdouts. 
So Paul was from one of the top tribes. So Paul circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin could say he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And then he turns to his works. Look at the end of verse 5. As to the law, Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul was born into an advantageous situation, but that was not all. He lived it. In his interpretation of the law, he says he became a Pharisee. It was the most faithful sect of Judaism in his day. And he says he was a zealous man, a persecutor of the church. Now he had come to see how terrible it was that he had persecuted the Christian church. But at the time he did it. He viewed Jesus as a dangerous fraud, a charlatan, and the church as a demonic cult that was destroying innocent people's lives. And in persecuting the church at that time, in his mind, he was doing his best to protect innocent people. He was zealous for the truth and for people. And he was blameless. He tried to keep the law of God at every point and he believed he did. In other words... Paul was a good, good man. And so he's saying, if you think you're good, I'm better. The issue here is the basis of our salvation. What is it that makes you acceptable to God? On what basis are you saved? What is your hope of heaven and eternal life? Paul says that if your answer is, I'm a good person, then I want you to know I'm better. If you think God will accept you because you've tried to live a good life, Paul says, I have tried harder and have lived a better life than you have. But look at where it got him. Look at verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. All those things which once he thought was to his credit are now liabilities. The things that once were gained to him, he now counts as loss. Then he says... At the end of verse 8, 
that he counts them as rubbish. It's a bad translation. It's weak. And I've checked, and there's only one English translation that translates it correctly. And you all know which one it is. It's the authorized King James Bible. It says it's dumb. Paul says, you think I'm good? You think you're good? I'm better than you. And I take all that I've ever done. All that I ever am. All that I have been. All that I am. And before God. It's dung. Folks, all I have to offer to God is dumb. My best is dumb. And if you don't believe that, if you have not owned that reality, about yourself. You cannot be saved. The religion that puts any hope in who we are or what we have done is simply put a religion of dung. In other words, our best is not good enough. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah says all our righteousness is but as filthy rags. If you look at this passage and you see the epic failure of religion of the flesh, you see the religion of dung, and thirdly and finally in this passage, you see the religion of knowing Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8 again. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as Dung in order that I may gain Christ. Paul said he had to quit trusting in himself. He had to quit trusting in his own dung. And he had to know Christ and gain Christ. You see, it comes down to a person. At one time, Paul trusted Paul. Or it would be more accurate to say that Saul trusted Saul. Saul trusted that Saul was 
a good man. But one day, Saul had his eyes open. And he realized he needed to stop trusting Saul and needed to trust and know a different person. To be saved is to come into the closest knowledge of and union and relationship with a person. The person of Jesus Christ. All we need is found in Christ, but we must come to Him first. We must receive Him first. If we receive Him and have Him and are in Him, we have all the blessings He has for us. Yea, all I need in Thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Look at what we have in Christ. Three, three things Paul mentions. First, in Christ we have righteousness. Look at verse 9. He says, be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Jesus trades our dung for His righteousness. When Jesus went to the cross, He who knew no sin was made sin. Our dung was piled on the shoulders, on the head of the perfect Son of God and He died for it in order that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He takes our rubbish and gives us His righteousness. Second, in Christ, not only we have His righteousness, we have a new life. Look at verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings becoming like Him in His death. Paul now says that He lives not in His old self-righteousness but in the power the daily power from being united to this living person, Jesus Christ, in His death and resurrection. So it has righteousness, a new life, and finally, in Christ there is a resurrection. Look at verse 11, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. To know Jesus Christ, to be in Jesus Christ guarantees we will be raised because He was raised and He shares everything He has secured. Everything He has earned and accomplished through His life, death, and resurrection, all of it He shares with all His people. But to have all of that, the righteousness, the new life, the resurrection, we've got to get out of ourselves. 
and get into Jesus Christ. We have to stop trusting that I am a good person and start trusting Jesus. That Wednesday night, I preached this at a prayer meeting. I figured there's no point preaching a sermon like this, a gospel sermon. Everybody there would presumably know it and believe it. But a man happened to be there in that church that night. He was in his 60s. Been in that church all his life. His family founded that church in 1802. Still lived on King's Grant property granted to his family in the colonial era. And in addition to his superior background, he was known in the community and is known in that community as one of the finest people you will ever know. A kind man, an honest man, a hard working man. They happened to be in that prayer meeting that night. A few weeks later, he asked me if I'd meet him and eat a biscuit with him one morning. And he told me that all these years, he thought he was a good man. And he thought that's what it took. Just to be a good man. But that night, in that prayer meeting, Lord used this personal testimony of the Apostle Paul to show him that he, like Paul and the rest of us, was a sinner. And his best before God was done. And this man told me he came to trust Jesus Christ. Really for the first time in his life. That night. And perhaps you have thought that you're pretty good. Or at least better than average. And the Holy Spirit is telling you it's all done. Will you go Jesus Christ receive him
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.